You're listening to Tahlequah United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. We are a church that strives to have open hearts, open minds, and open doors as we make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And one of the ways that we do that is offering up our sermons for you to listen to. And so we hope you connect with us online at TahlequahUMC.org or on our social media at TahlequahUMC. So enjoy today's message. may be seated. Before we begin, let's, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, in the busyness of life, we're reminded that no matter how busy we are, you are always there with us. calling us to love you and to love our neighbor. And so, Lord, center us in you. And then in the conversation that we have today, that we may be open to the possibilities what may be before us and what you're calling us to. And that we know that we really only find joy when we center our lives in you. And so, Lord, be our strength when we are weak. You are our all and all. And all of us gathered here said, Amen. So we're halfway through our uh, church-wide stewardship emphasis on Adam Hamilton's book, Enough, Discovering Joy Through Simplicity and Generosity. If you remember last Sunday, we talked about wisdom and finance, and we gave you some uh, tools to be able to look at some things and be able to plan out some things. And, and if you by chance miss those tools or would like to see those tools again, you can find that on our website. If you connect, click on this week's Connect, Serve, and Grow thing uh, there on our front page of our website, you'll find there um, those tools to be able to help you Um, better your life and pay attention to those things that sometimes become common pitfalls and cultural traps that we can discover and try to avoid. But do you have enough time separating your wants from your needs? Do you sometimes feel consumed by desire to have more? Do you ever look at your surroundings and feel overwhelmed by the sheer volume of things? When is enough enough? And so today we're going to talk a little bit about these burdens that address our human tendencies to heed on and learn how to change our ways before we do. Let's dive into this week's scripture reading found on the screen, Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. Let's read this together. Your way of life should be free from the love of money. And you should be content with what you have. After all, he said, I will never leave you or abandon you. This is why we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper, 
and I won't be afraid. What can people do to me? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our scriptural lesson for today leads us in towards being content with what we have. And you might say that's easier for some than others. If we have luxuries and then all those things, we, we assume that we have, we have everything, right? If, you know, when we think about what is going on uh, with the poor in our world and realize that we have more than they do, and, and maybe we can just be content with that, but how often are we? How often are we longing for that next new thing? How often are, are, are we wanting to have that we think that the grass is greener on the other side if we buy the new iPhone or if we buy the next new thing or if we buy the new fancy car, will we be happy and okay? But what I've discovered and learned and watched and observed as a pastor is that typically that's not the case. Very rarely is that next new thing the thing that brings us joy and contentment. Very rarely is that thing that we think we want is the thing that like makes everything perfect and all right. Very rarely is that thing that we think will be the thing, the thing that will change our life. If we do this, our life will change. Does it ever really happen? And I think it's because sometimes we forget that everything that we have is a gift from God and everything that we are given we should be content with, as the Scripture reminds us today. Be content with what you have. Do you remember as a child telling your, your parents telling you, be content with what you have? Or maybe you're not aware of what, like, it could be worse, you could have nothing. I know one of the things my dad always told me when I would say, hey, dad, I want the next new thing, he'd say, well, you could have nothing. It was kind of hard for a young pup like myself to hear. But it got me thinking, what does contentment look like? And if we are excited and excited about what we have and the gifts and all the things that we have before us, like, and utilizing those things to do good in the world, could you imagine what we could do with what we have available to us right now? And we're not looking to the next new thing or the project to be completed or the things to be gone. If, if we took everything that we had and, and we're just saying, all right, I'm, I'm okay with this. So what? It got, it's got duct tape on it. That just adds character. I remember the first car I had in seminary, my truck in seminary was held together by duct tape and a prayer. And every time driving back and forth between Yukon and Tulsa, it was a simple prayer. Lord, you get me there, I'll do what you ask me to do. You get me home, and I'll do what you ask me to do. Every time, it worked, except for the last trip home. My last trip home, my first semester, I was coming home. I'd been into meeting in Owasso, and, and we were getting ready for Youth Forest, and I was really excited, and, and I was coming home, and then all of a sudden, I'm driving on Turner Turnpike, and I look back, and I see sparks flying out of the back of my truck. I think to myself, oh, Lord, what's falling off? And do I have duct tape? So I pull over the side of the road and crawl underneath the, t- the, the truck and look that my uh, uh, pipe had fallen off. You know, the exhaust pipe had fallen off and I had drugged my muffler for almost three and a half miles. And so I just took, I had some gloves in my truck. I mean, it was a truck. It was a farm truck. So you had to have gloves in the farm truck. Gloves and duct tape, two things that you definitely need to hold that truck together. Took the tape, or took the muffler, jammed it up in there as best I could, took the roll of duct tape, duct taped the roll there, got home about oh, 11 o'clock that night, and the first words out of my mouth to Ashley, realized we hadn't even been married a year yet. I'm buying a new car tomorrow, and I don't care what you say about it. 
because I knew I couldn't go any forward. And my contentment for that truck, I love that truck. I would love to have that truck right now if I bought a new exhaust system for it and a few other things. But I knew that my contentment for that truck had run out. I knew that there was no way that the next semester it was going to get me to and from where I was to where I needed to be, and it was time for a change. It drove the wheels almost off of that thing. And every now and then when I go home to, to Miami, I see that truck driving around. And you know how I know it's my truck? It's the only truck in Miami, Oklahoma that has an OCU star sticker on the back of it and a big old tool chest in the back that has a whole bunch of other stickers on it that were my stickers. And I know it still lives and provides happiness for someone else. Adam Hamilton, in his book this week, in his chapter on contentment, he said this really great line. He says, when we simplify, we are content. And when we are content, we simplify. I'm going to say that again. When we simplify, we are content. And when we are content, we simplify. And, And I think about that. I think about the times when things have been complex in my life. When I've simplified, it made things easier. I realized Thursday night when I, or actually it wasn't, well, it was more mid-morning, but, you know, at 3 a.m. when I looked at my phone and noticed that, that my aunt was trying to get a hold of me and I had to, to go and be with my father, I knew that all those other things that were on my schedule for Friday, for Friday were irrelevant. And going and sitting with my dad was the simplest thing I could do. Was it the easiest? No. I have enough on my plate right now that I could easily just like said, you know, dad's going to be okay. We've been through this before. But I knew I needed to be there because I couldn't get a hold of my other siblings. If, you know, they could have been there, I would have easily said, oh, they've got it. No big deal. I mean, after 15 stints, I mean, you know, you know the process. I mean, we're so familiar with the doctors that we don't, I mean, we literally have grown up with those three heart doctors of his. But yet, we're sitting there in the room and, and noticing all the things that were going on. And, and, and that's what's really unique about sitting in those waiting rooms. You, you start to see things and notice things. I was watching a woman across the way receiving bad news that her person hadn't made it. Seeing others receiving news of joy and, and seeing all the other news of, you know, well, we don't know what the next step will be and, and hearing the doctor say this. And, and I realized in that moment that it's okay. Everything's going on. It's okay. There's nothing to worry about. That God has got this in control, and whatever happens, happens. And I, and I just opened myself up to that idea that it's going to be okay. So I just sat down and enjoyed the company of my sisters and my brother, which I don't do all that often. And you know, that's one of the things that Adam talks about, is that one of the ways that we can simplify our life is to do things easily and just hang out with people. I mean, how often do we stop and slow down and hang out with those friends and loved ones that we love to spend time with? And far too often, I think we are afraid to cultivate contentment in our lives because we know that that's going to change things. It's going to wreck our schedules. It may put somebody else out, but if we really want to take care of ourselves, we really need to find a way to simplify our lives. And Hamilton suggests that there are four ways to cultivate contentment. And I love this first one, I have to admit. He said the first one is, remember that it could be worse. 
I came across this story when I was sitting in the hospital. I came across a story about a man named Chris who had been diagnosed with ALS. And Chris had this wild idea that he wanted to deliver Krispy Kreme donuts to as many people as possible, especially kids at school. Chris said that if dying has taught him anything, it's about how to live. He says you can have... you. He says, you have to do what you can to make people smile while you still have the chance. Remember that it could be worse. I was sitting there thinking, and Ash and I were talking about this earlier in the week, and, and pointing to, you know, sometimes in, in marriages, we look at the grass on the, on the other side and we think, man, it would have been a lot better if we would have married this person, or, or maybe it's not going very well in our marriage, and, and maybe we need to remind ourselves that it could be worse. And I was saying that more for Ashley. She could have married worse. But she knew that she, she wanted to marry a pastor. And she found one. It just happened to be me. And so say a prayer for her. Because it could be worse. But for us, when we open ourselves up to those possibilities, that maybe sometimes just saying that, this could be worse. It opens our eyes up to the possibilities of what's going on around us and what could be. And sometimes it opens us up to slow us down to, to say, hey, it could be worse. You know, yesterday when our car, when the starter went out on our car, the first thing out of my mind was, it could be worse. The van could have blown up. And when I thought about that for just a second, it made me feel a little bit better that it's just the starter because we still have a van. Well, more like a brick that will move, hopefully, eventually. But it could be worse. And that, when, we, when we just say that, it cultivates this contentment into us that, that opens us up. Hamilton then suggests that when trying to cultivate contentment, how long will this make me happy? Maybe when we're going to the store and we're wanting to buy something, maybe we should ask ourselves that. How long is this going to make me happy? Is it going to make me happy for a year? Think about all those people, like, come in a couple of weeks when they, when they line up around the stores at Apple, still, after 11 versions of the iPhone, which the last five versions haven't changed all that much. Does it make you happy? Yeah, probably till the first time you drop it and crack the screen and you're not happy anymore. But if we ask ourselves, how long does this make me happy when we're trying to buy things or look at things, we, can, we, we may be able to say, I don't need this. Because it's not. It's only going to be a short-term happiness. The other thing that he suggests is develop a, a grateful heart. And studies have shown, and, and, and heart studies and heart doctors have shown that, that, that people that have grateful, grateful hearts live longer, have stronger hearts, and, and do amazing things for the world. That's at least what the heart doctor told us on Thursday. Because they literally have told us a number of times, we don't know why your dad keeps surviving. And my dad's a grateful guy. He, he tries to bring joy to people's life. And, and we knew he was getting better Friday, Friday afternoon when he was, he, when he was being his uh, jokeful self and giving the nurses and us a hard time. We knew that he, was, he had made the turn. But developing a grateful heart like, helps us center us and, and, and realizes that all the gifts that we have, that we can share with the world, and everything will be okay. And then the last question they ask us to, to a way to cultivate content is, 
Where does my soul find true satisfaction? I think it finds true satisfaction when we center our lives in God. And, and we make that commitment that I'm going to live like following Jesus. Is it easy? No. But I'll find some satisfaction in just striving to live like Jesus. And when we can do that, just imagine if you made one extra step to strive to live like Jesus. Imagine if you just said, I'm going to do one more thing to strive to live like Jesus. I guarantee you your soul will find satisfaction. But we have to be willing to make that commitment. We have to be willing uh, to be willing to take that next step. And, and when we do, it's amazing to see. It's always fun to see that, first, that person that takes their first mission trip. I always get excited when I see that person when they're taking their first mission trip. And, and it, it's kind of like being around the baby. They're, they're stumbling around a little bit, but then once they get in their groove and, and once they realize that the good that they're doing is making a difference for the world, they, 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 they find this like contentment and this like they want to do it again. And that's how satisfaction happens. When we do something we love, we want to do it again. We're satisfied. We want to do more. We want to dive deeper. Now we need to remember the quote a little bit more. That when we simplify, we are content. And we are content, we simplify. Hamilton then changes the, changes the direction and says how to simplify your life. And the first is, set a goal of reducing your consumption and choose to live below your means. I started thinking about this around Lent, and um, the Anglican Church uh, the, the, the Anglican Church in Europe was doing this really good push to, to try to do away with simple plastics in their lives, and, and they developed this plan and this process on how to do that. And one of the simple things that they asked people to do was stop asking for straws at restaurants. And so I did. I'll, I'll go in, uh, if it's a restaurant that I know, I'll go in with my cup, my nice little like Yeti cup, and I'll say, hey, can I use this? Are you okay with me using this? I've not been turned down yet. They'll still charge me the same price. I'll be like, hey, it's 20 ounces. It's a medium or it's a large or whatever. And it's been fun to do that. It's been a struggle sometimes because sometimes before I can say, hey, I have my own cup, I already have my plastic cup, and then I feel a little bit guilty because I want to try to make a difference. And I want to reduce my consumption of plastics. And I know if I can do my part, others can too. And so I'm trying to do little things that do that. And I'm being aware of that. And, and, and opening myself up to those possibilities of just setting a goal of trying to reduce my plastic consumption. And by doing that, it, it causes us to live a little bit below our means. And, and that also means like being aware of how many times we go out to eat. And if you remember last week when I shared with you, it was like, what, four and a half times a week? We did better this week. I did better this week. Ashley always does better than me on this. But I did better this week. And finding ways to live below our means will allow you to have extra income to do other things for kingdom building. Before making a purchase uh, for the next thing, he says, before making a purchase, ask yourself, do I really need this? And why do I want this? A good way to handle this, and, and I'm, I'm starting to learn this. Like, understand, this is stuff I struggle with. This is stuff that haunts me. But one of the things I've started doing is I'll put it in the cart, and I'll walk around the store with it. 
And, and I'll keep asking myself, do I really need this? Is this something I really need right now? Or, or can I wait till Christmas? Or, or can I wait till later? And, and, and you know what's amazing is that when I've started doing that, do I really need this? Or why do I want this? When I really start thinking about it, nine times out of ten, I put the thing back on the shelf. Or I've gotten to check out and say, I don't really need this. Can you put it back? And, and, and when we do that, it, it's amazing to see how much stuff we would let go. If you stuck to the list, remember I suggest you all make a list when you go shopping. Imagine what things you would actually come home with, what you really need, versus what you think you want. And doing that little step is a really helpful thing. And one of the other things is that he suggests is the next step is use something up before you buy something new. You know, take better care of your stuff. You don't need the next new iPhone, Shannon. As much as you think you want to, what's this fun? I mean, she doesn't want it, it's more me. And I'm saying this for her, so that way it's more for me. I don't need the next new iPhone. And I'll take care of the next one until it won't work anymore. But use something up before buying something now. Amazing, just think about if you did that around your house. And what simple things you could you know, hold on to a little bit longer. The next thing is plan low-cost entertainment that enriches. One of the things that's been eating at me, and and Ashley and I have been trying to figure out a way that we can schedule this, is, um, you know, we have enough board games to take care of this church alone, (laughs) and probably two or three other churches with all the board games we have sitting in our front living room. That's not including the Xbox and 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 the Game Boy. GameCube, whatever. We could easily provide low-cost entertainment that would be a good, fun time that enriches. And you can do that, too. Think about some ways that you could do that in your life. It'd be as simple as inviting friends over and saying, hey, could you bring some chips? I'll, I'll cook the hamburgers if you bring the chips. The next thing that he asks is, are there major changes that would allow me to simplify my life? And he said, Adam wrote on this book, he said, remember, if you can't do all the things God is calling you to do and you're unable to find joy in your life, perhaps it's time to simplify in some major ways. And maybe there are some major changes you need to do to simplify. Maybe you're over-pushing yourself, overextending yourself. It is okay to say no. It is. And yeah, it might be putting someone out because they were counting on you. But if you're doing it to take care of yourself, because you want to simplify your life, maybe it needs to happen. Maybe your body's calling at you to do that. And finding ways to simplify your life, it really is up to you. And it's between you and God and where God is calling you. And if you're content with what we have and live out our life of the amazing abundance of God's love that is there for us, then we can say with confidence that the Lord is my helper and I won't be afraid. And so this week, I want to challenge you. How do you need to simplify your life? To find contentment, to find joy. And when you can do those things, you you discover a joy that you really found that it was simply by doing the simple thing and then living generously out of that abundance that you have.
Let us pray that prayer that we've been praying these weeks. Let's pray this prayer together. Lord, help me be grateful for what I have. Remember that I don't need most of what I want and that joy is found in simplicity and generosity. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, and we hope you connect with us at TahlequahUMC.org.